The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hey everybody, how you doing? Thanks for tuning into the show. I just wanted to share some information, I'm pretty excited about it. The show actually just broke the threshold of 5,000 listens, so I I really just want to say thank you. Um, I get a lot of really nice messages about the show from piercers at different stages in their career saying that they really appreciate just being able to kind of sit in on a conversation. You know, uh, sometimes I take it for granted that I get all these great opportunities to meet body piercers from around the world and go to all these different conferences and have all these great talks with people. And um, not everybody gets that, you know, sometimes body piercers don't really have the mentoring they want, Uh, they don't really have colleagues they can chat with in their area, maybe they don't have the resources to to make it out to a conference. So I really like to be able to to capture some of this stuff digitally and, and get it out there on the internet so that the kind of experiences that help me grow as a body piercer can kind of help everybody else too. So uh, again, thank you for all the the kind messages and and thank you for everyone who subscribed to the show, downloaded the show, listened to it, given me feedback, even if it's negative feedback. uh, You know, I really appreciate each and every one of you for for putting up with me, basically. So thanks. Uh, I'll keep this show going for uh, as long as I have the attention span and uh, we'll see where it takes us. My guest this week is Christina Blossi. Not really an exact continuation over the episode last week, but last week was Brian Skelly, who started a studio in Atlanta, Georgia called Piercing Experience. And this week, Christina Blossi is Brian's former piercing apprentice who eventually bought the Piercing Experience and has made it her own. Had some great success in the Atlanta, Georgia area. So we talk about the different challenges of uh, taking over an existing studio Uh, how she got her start in the industry, the foundational information that she thinks that all body piercers should have, and her love of body jewelry and body jewelry materials. So we talk a lot about that. So let's get into this week's interview with Christina Blasi. And after that, I'm going to be back to answer some questions. All right. So I'm Christina. I'm the owner of Piercing Experience in Atlanta. Uh, You can find us on Facebook and Tumblr and Instagram, it's all piercing EXP, for those of you that want to follow us. Um, so how, how long have you owned it at this point? I've owned it for just over nine years now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, for, for the people listening that might not know, so it, was it started by, by Brian Skelly? Yeah. Brian started the studio when he turned 18. Wow. Uh, in 1992. Yeah. When there was not even, pierce, body piercing was not an industry was not an industry of its own. Right. Um, like, Brian had to petition the Yellow Pages to get a heading for body piercing. Because yeah, it was just under tattooing, probably, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, and I found the paperwork at one point when I was cleaning out some drawers, which yeah. was interesting. So, <laughs> oh. how did it how did it go from Brian Skelly owning it to, to you owning it? Like, did you apprentice with him? Yeah, I apprenticed with Brian. I think I'm the only person of his that he's fully apprenticed that's actually working in piercing now. Well. Um, I started working with him in the fall of 2001 okay um was when i started training with him um and uh did you did you start out like as an apprentice or did you kind of start out as like a studio helper 
started out as an apprentice. Okay. Because um, I had been a client of Brian's for two or three years at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and he offered to to apprentice me. Um, I was still actually in school at Georgia Tech for mechanical engineering at the time. Yeah. Um, so okay, that kind of makes <laughs> a little bit of sense because you yeah. seem to have that like same kind of analytical mind. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, that makes a lot more sense when like I know that you're an engineer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never finished my degree. Well, okay. But an engineering <laughs> yes, type engin- mind. Engineering mindset, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's actually one of the things that Brian and I related on is he actually dropped out of Georgia Tech also. Okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I started working for him in 2001. Uh, apprentice for a couple years. Uh, started piercing for him uh, full time. Well, actually really part time because I was still working in corporate America at the time. Mm-hmm. What were you doing before you were a piercer? Uh, I worked in IT and web development. Okay. So like really like technical <laughs> yes. engineering, like the guts of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, I had a corporate job. I worked nine to five Monday to Friday and then worked weekends and nights at the studio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how long, how long was your apprenticeship? Was it like a formal structured thing or was it just kind of like a nebulous? It was structured at first and then slowly, I, like the first year was really mostly like background information like mm-hmm. I was talking to yeah, a couple other piercers earlier that first day I showed up was like here's this uh, you know, Barry and Cohen's operating room technique you need to start reading this uh, here's the, <laughs> oh a little light reading <laughs> here's the AORN manual right uh, you know yeah, here's some ASTM specifications uh, yeah. here's some PFIQs like learning about piercing history right that's kind um, of a I mean it's not like a surprising mix knowing like who you were learning with mm-hmm. but uh, yeah that must have been like a lot to digest well, uh, yeah, being his client for a long time, you know, and spending a lot of time in the studio, like, I wasn't, you know, a lot of that stuff, stuff we talked about, especially ASTM stuff, being mm-hmm. out of the background I had. Right. Um, so some of that, like, I, I knew, because we, yeah, talked a lot about jewelry mm-hmm. when I was just a client. Did but... it feel, like, kind of natural to you, like, learning that stuff, if you were already kind of, like, learning in a applied science kind of fashion? Yeah, it definitely did. Yeah. It made sense to me, like, that that he was really focusing on me trying to learn the the more like aseptic technique, sterilization right. science, that kind of stuff. Cause he's like, you know about jewelry, you know, mm-hmm. we don't need to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Um, so it's like you already, as a Pearson client, you already mm-hmm. knew like the guts of like application sizes and what, what works. Well, I mean, to, to, an, to, extent, to an extent, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, that kind of stuff I like, I had to learn of, you know, measuring people, you know, what kind of sizes right. yeah. we used for. But you had like a, a pretty decent knowledge of it before you started, I'm sure. Otherwise, yeah. you probably wouldn't have gotten the offer to apprentice. No, no. Yeah. and he, you know, he knew I could figure it out, and he knew I would ask questions if I didn't right. know. Right, right. But yeah, it was a lot of reading the first few months, you know. He'd make me, like, go home and, like, practice putting on sterile gloves properly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spent a lot of time in front of the TV at home, practicing stuff like that. Um, and then it was, like, uh, Doing supervised jewelry insertions, yeah, you know, first in heel piercings and unhealed piercings. Yeah, yeah, helping him mark and prep clients for for piercing before yeah. I actually started piercing. Right, right. So, uh, how long how long was it before like between like when you were like the the, the change from apprentice to to piercer? Yeah, it was, and... it was kind of nebulous because it was like like I said, I was doing unsupervised jewelry, right? Jewelry transfers, and it's like a, there was a couple piercings I could do mm-hmm. with supervision, and then it was like those piercings yeah. without supervision. So it wasn't like a clear, right, like, right, right. Magically, this so one of those things where you were probably referred to as an apprentice for a little bit longer yeah. than you actually were an apprentice, mm-hmm. right? Well, I was starting to pierce, but not doing everything without yeah. supervision. Still getting mentorship, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then how long, like, do you think between when you were 
a piercer and like you, you were felt pretty confident in your abilities to the point where you started thinking about, well, maybe I'll transition more into like a studio owner kind of thing. Uh, that happened, um, I guess about two years before Brian left, uh, he started traveling a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of moved into more like management role in the studio and yeah. you know, making sure that jewelry orders happened, that, uh, yeah, let the clients know when he was available, yeah. trying to make sure we had guest artists covering for, yeah, when I couldn't be at the studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, was it based on guest artists a lot more at that time? Like, or uh, like, like how, how much, how much were you piercing versus how often the studio well, was open? Well, since I was still working in full-time job. Oh, okay. So at that point you still had your, your yeah. like day job basically. I didn't quit corporate America until Brian left. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was fun. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't believe you, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, the paycheck was nice. I'll right. So you uh, took it over in, in what year? 2008. 2008. Okay. I, I actually remember mm-hmm. the the year at conference where I bought my anodizer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse and I went to Brian's room to buy our anodizers and you were hanging out there. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, this is Christina. She is the new owner of the piercing experience. It must have and, probably been 2009 or 2010. Then, yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I went to conference in 2002 when I was still, you know, a pretty fresh apprentice. Right. Um, then I didn't go back for a while. Two thousand two was my my first year too, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's yeah. funny how many people. Are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what what was it like, kind of taking over like a like a really well established? Like, did you feel like you had this burden of like someone's legacy, or did you want to kind of create your own legacy through it? It was a little of both. I mean, like having those couple of years of Brian like not being there all the time. Mm-hmm. Like there was, yeah, you know, people could tell that. Yeah, he was sort of divesting himself mm-hmm. slowly, yeah, traveling more and more, you know. First it would be like a couple of days, you know, then a week a month, then right. yeah, only there half the time. And, you know, it helped that I had been there for seven years at that point. Yeah, it was probably a more comfortable transition of knowing like, well, you know, Brian's not around, but oh, but, but Christina's here, you know, mm-hmm. rather than just random yeah. guest artist. I mean, I'm sure you had good people in, but, mm-hmm. you know, they might not have the name recognition where they, they knew yeah. that it was like, oh, it's Brian, it's Christina. Yeah, because yeah. like I said, I had been there for years at, at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it was yeah, just seven years when, when Brian left. Yeah, so. yeah, that was a good amount of time. Mm-hmm. So were there any like major changes? Like was there anything where it's like, okay, now it's mine, I want to I want to do this? Well, uh, yeah, I, it was, no, it wasn't a major transition. It wasn't mm-hmm. anything that was like, okay, we're totally changing this. I mean, yeah. there's a few little things where it's like, yeah, that I changed like while, well, he was traveling more. It's like, okay, well, since you're not here anymore, uh, we're going to move this. Yeah. We're going to change the, where we're displaying stuff. Cause mm-hmm. this works better for me and you're right. here all the time. Updates kind yeah, of stuff. Kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, everybody knows that like Brian is like a super nerd when it comes to like <laughs> sterilizers and all that stuff. Like, do you, do you find that that's like a, cause it seems like it's a passion of his. Do you feel yeah. like it's a passion of yours or do you feel like you know it because that's so in, involved in your industry, but it's not really like, uh, well, the sterilizer stuff, I'm definitely not as much of a nerd about as, as Brian. I don't think anybody can be, except yeah. maybe like the engineers at SciCan or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely like care a lot about it because to me, I think that's something that our industry is kind of a little behind in some ways is that we don't have the standards for making sure we're properly equipped. Yeah, it's not It's not quite it. as like, I mean, not to say universal, but it's mm-hmm. not uh, It's not as ubiquitous as you'd want it to be. Like exactly. things fluctuate so much from studio to studio. Yeah, but yeah. no, the, the sterilization was definitely more Brian's thing. Mm-hmm. I would say the jewelry stuff was probably more jewelry standards and, and stuff. Like, yeah. Did, yeah, we were pretty on par with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just 
don't have the time to be on the ASTM committees like Brian. Right. Does. Yeah, <laughs> I don't understand how he does all that. But so, um, like, what what do you mm-hmm. think would be like your your like passion project in the studio, or do you have a passion project in the studio? Jewelry. Jewelry. Yeah. 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 So, like, like, are there certain aspects of it? Like, is there something that you like really like, or something that grabs you? Is it the way you uh, display it? Is it the material? Is it the way you apply it's more it? Like material, doing research, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, trying to just. I'd love to see the, the industry sort of be more innovative when it comes to materials. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, like new that, stuff, or new like stuff. the way they apply existing materials. Both, or, right? Yeah, just have some more openness to exploring things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love that we have so much more jewelry options than we used to. Yeah. I mean, that's, and, and that the quality has improved so much because mm-hmm. God, back in the day, like we used to actually have to physically inspect every single piece of jewelry we got. Yeah. Even though when you, when you talk to like younger piercers now and you're, uh, and you talk to them about like processing new jewelry that comes into the studio, they're not like, well, I put it through my statum and it's like, yeah, but no, 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 no. Yeah. Like, but then you tell them the stories of like, well, sometimes you'd have to spend like three hours getting all the polishing compound off of it, getting like polishing wheel fluff out of the gem settings and this and that. And it, it was mm-hmm. way more challenging. And it's great that like anatomical stuff shows up, not like exactly ready to just like drop in somebody, but it's, you know, it's a nice, yeah. it's a nice situation that you get. Yeah. Cause I mean, it, even when I started working for Brian in 2001, we had already switched using, well, all internally threaded jewelry or threadless mm-hmm. had happened years before uh, we ha- had switched to using only titanium jewelry, no steel, and well, some precious metals. Mm-hmm. Um, but even from the big name companies, like some of our orders, we'd have to send back more than fifty percent of what we ordered. Wow. That was because def- it was defective. Right. Bad threads, bad gem settings, right. bad polish, sharp edges, yeah. bad countersinks. Yeah, that doesn't really happen much at all anymore. No. If you do, it's like it's like a weird dumb luck kind of thing. Like, oh hey, there's something wrong with this thread, and they're like, oh yeah, cool, we'll just send you mm-hmm. back two replacements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that was a, that was a big thing. Yeah, yeah, and talking to jewelry manufacturers, trying to get them on the same standard for hand polishing things. Right. Yeah, that was something we really helped a couple manufacturers with. I mean, like, hey, like this is what we're doing to your jewelry mm. when we get it in the studio. Yeah, we're taking all of your little posts and we're polishing them by hand so that them they're off. actually. Wow, that must have taken like forever yeah and guess who got to do all that yeah <laughs> best way to learn uh-huh. so when you talk about like new materials like what are some of the materials you wish were more like readily available for the industry like do you like that niobium titanium alloy yeah i've only got to play with it a little bit so far um but i do like that it's you know the science says it's more biocompatible mm-hmm. um yeah just i think there's i wish there was a more more willingness to investigate stuff like that. So what mm-hmm. what do they take out of it? In, is, vanadium? Yeah, it's got, it doesn't have the vanadium, so it has niobium instead. Okay, but same mm-hmm. amount of aluminum, roughly. I think so. Okay, off the top of my head. Yeah. Or close, close to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind trying it out. It sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm curious to see. Like, I haven't had anything with gem settings or anything yet to see. Like. Like how it actually holds up. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I've always been like a little bit apprehensive to try out like new applications. You know, like even when commercially pure titanium mm-hmm. came around, I was like, well, it's so soft. Like, is it going to hold a thread as good and this well, and that? That's why like it's also having like different materials for different purposes. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. like you're not going to make like prongs that ends out of commercially pure titanium. Right. It's not going to hold up. Yeah. But, but if you want to have some like weird wacky bendy stuff in an ear. Mm-hmm. 
much better. Right. Or, or even captive bee rings. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love niobium. I don't get why more people aren't, aren't using niobium when it comes to, like, CBRs and seam rings and stuff like that. I don't, like, having used commercially pure titanium rings for years and having some niobium, too, the niobium doesn't, the surface finish doesn't hold up as well. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm. I also think that a lot of people equate niobium with black. Like, a lot of people don't <laughs> understand that. Like, you don't have to torch all of your niobium. You can ask for it in high polish and, and get, like, a silver niobium, too. Yeah. Yeah. But... And it anodizes nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, I, I don't have any problem anodizing. Yeah. Well, okay. So, I... I don't do any polishing in-house mm-hmm. at all. So I'm sure it's like, it's a lot easier for you to get a nice green. Like for me, it's like, I feel like I'm rolling the dice every time I try to get a green. Uh, a lot of that I found was properly using the anodizer both in uh, different attachments for different jewelry and mm-hmm. um, having the right electrolyte solution. Yeah, yeah. I've been That's, trying to think about my solution more and more too rather than just as an afterthought, something that you just let sit around in a tub or a bottle and then you just drop yeah, it in. Yeah, but that's something like when I was having problems learning to anodize. Yeah, just like that was something like I experimented with when I was learning to anodize. Is like, okay, like is less concentrated better or is more concentrated mm-hmm. better? Uh, you know, does it need to be like replaced more frequently? Um, worrying about like people don't realize like they leave the lid off the anodizer cup, it evaporates mm-hmm. and you can actually see differences in your performance from morning to right. end of the night. Yeah, because then you have a different mm-hmm. concentration once the, the mm-hmm. water evaporates out. Yeah. Yeah. Makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, as, as you have like more and more time built up in the industry, do you feel like you're going to start moving into more of like an educator role? Like how do you, like how comfortable do you feel when you're doing classes at conference and stuff? Well, I actually got to teach my first classes this past year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's something that's very interesting to me because I realize, I've realized the longer I've been in the industry that my experience in getting into the industry and, and the way I was trained is sadly very unique. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never worked in a shop where I was forced to do unethical things right um yeah because yeah. i mean you had access to like the best information the best equipment the best jewelry at the time you know and mm-hmm. probably even still to today i think a lot of people would be jealous about the start that you got in it because i remember when i started it definitely <laughs> wasn't anywhere close to that no yeah. yeah having a mentor that made sure i understood not a, what why i was doing what i was doing right yeah, yeah. that's a huge difference too because mm-hmm. i mean you can just go through the motions of anything but if you don't really understand why then you start improvising because you don't really understand why you're trying mm-hmm. to get those results and everything yeah. well and like seeing people get sort of suckered into kind of snake oil kind of products in right. the industry too because mm-hmm. they don't understand yeah you know, oh they're yeah everyone was using technicare because that's what you were supposed to use mm-hmm. right and then when that came off the market it's like well yeah this is supposed to be like technicare well maybe i should I should use that, right? I fell into that trap a lot, you know, with a couple different products that I won't Mm -hmm. name by name. But yeah, Mm -hmm. it was like every three months it was like, well, this is going to be the new thing. And then you would get it and you'd try it for a couple of weeks and be like, oh, no, no, this is not at all what it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Instead of going like, well, okay, well, maybe Technicare got pulled off the market for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's a product, some other product that's better. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think it's like a constant evolution because I, I definitely talk to some piercers. Like, I, you know, I could talk to somebody like, you know, yourself or Brian or Jeff, and I could be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm using Pure Cleanse or Technicare, and you kind of get that. You don't necessarily get, like, slapped in the face, <laughs> but you get that kind of, like, eye-roll groan kind of thing where it's just like, I, I, I get it. I get that we have the difference of opinion, and I, I totally see where they could improve their product, you know, yeah. individually sterilized applicators mm-hmm. and all that stuff, and I, hopefully... I hopefully they'll they'll satisfy that part of the market eventually you know but uh 
Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, uh, and and yeah, it, that's not the worst product out there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what are what are some of like the when it comes to like a, a wide view of the industry, what are some things that you you wish would be more common in the industry? Is it something like sterile gloves? Is it something like anodizing all all your jewelry when it comes in? Like what what would you want to see for like small steps in the industry? I would say number one, just better educated piercers. Because mm-hmm. I think if people, because I can't tell you how many people I talk to that have been piercing five or more years that still really don't understand like the fundamentals of say how skin prep works, right. how, how a sterilizer works, right. like why, why we use the materials we use mm-hmm. in jewelry, um, stuff like that. Cause if you don't understand those fundamentals, you don't understand really how to make the product better. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or just like even, yeah. Understanding. Yeah. If you, cause if you don't understand that you, you can't move forward right. without just like blindly throwing darts and hoping something sticks something sticks better there have definitely been mm-hmm. like light bulb moments in in my career mm-hmm. where i've been like oh well now it makes sense like the the biggest light bulb for me probably mm-hmm. in my whole career was the whole thing about like bevel up bevel down mm. oh yeah because i didn't know what that meant because i i remember <laughs> i sat in the class and I, i'm pretty sure brian was one of the instructors in it yeah. and he just like so casually was just like everybody understands bevel down and everybody was just like yeah and i was like so the the needle's upside down right like how much harder can it be and then i went home and i tried to apply all these things that i learned in classes and i i I super screwed some stuff up you know Mm -hmm. because i didn't really really understand it so like the next year that i went i was like all right draw it show me a video like you really like explain like not just like what to do but why i'm doing it Mm -hmm. and it was a huge difference and now it's just like i base everything off of that you know and uh, I, I always try to talk about it being like pieces of a puzzle. Like we're all working with the yeah. exact same pieces of a puzzle. Uh, it's just like some of us don't know where those last couple of corner pieces go or, or like how to put it together. And like yeah. people have to really understand. It's like putting together a puzzle without knowing what the picture is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the bevel theory thing. Like I, that was again, one of those things I'm like, people don't understand that. Yeah. No, <laughs> I didn't for like years. When I was starting to pierce. Yeah. Yeah. That was something, you know, Brian and I would talk about. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, this is why I'm doing it because this is actually the cutting edge of the sharp. Yeah, yeah. See, like, mm-hmm. I there there have been all these different points in my career mm-hmm. where I've been like, oh, you know, for for my area at least, like, I'm a pretty well regarded piercer. You know, like, I'm 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 good. I know what I'm doing. And then every couple of years, it would be like, okay, I I didn't know what I was doing. And now I'm like, now I'm like restarting on this mm-hmm. foundation and then refining that. And then a couple of years goes by, and I'm like, oh. Uh, threadless jewelry and it's like oh now I'm gonna like start with a new foundation and, and build and refine that and I can only imagine like where I could be knowledge wise or, or skill wise if I had had that mentoring yeah. like 10 years earlier five years earlier or any any of that stuff yeah that's yeah. why I'm so happy that the APP has finally come up with at least a basic apprenticeship guideline yeah yeah like hey you should learn this, this, and this. Uh, right. Yeah. Because it's this, so yeah. simple when you mm-hmm. see it on paper, but then you're like, well, how could nobody ever figure this stuff out? You know, like mm-hmm. y- you need to understand fundamentals. You need to understand foundation and, and all these different things. Um, I'm actually going to try to push for that in my own state for those to be adopted as apprenticeship guidelines mm-hmm. for, for the overall piercing industry in my state. Well, and that, and that it goes over both what the apprentice should expect and what should be expected of the mentor. Right. So that, yeah. that people, you know, it's not the blind leading the blind anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the tough part with that is... There's so many people that are like crazy enthusiastic and they just they just want to get into the industry so bad and they've they've asked like their favorite piercers in the best studios in the area who have all 
probably all said no. Mm-hmm. And then all that then they get into this mode where instead of like waiting, they just go to the first person that says yes. And then you get those situations where it's totally like someone who doesn't know what they're doing teaching someone else how to not know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then people get hurt and end up in the news. Yeah. Right. <laughs> not not to say that like, you know, you're very like you know, Brianish, you know, but uh like you both have that same kind of like uh, ability to 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 stop and think about it. You know, you're not ego driven. Uh, you know, and and you really you care about like the the what's and the whys and all that stuff. And I, I think some piercers, um, sure they're interested in learning the what's and the whys, but they're they're very interested in like being seen as being a piercer mm-hmm. and not like putting out like the quality work of of a quality piercer sometimes. And that's that's a bummer. Yeah, yeah, that that's the thing. And like to me, I'm not gonna have someone working in my studio. You know, that's not willing to, yeah. to do that yeah do, do you feel like do you feel like you're soured to having an apprentice in the future no i would love to to start training someone it's just it's finding someone that's willing to put that work in right you know to me like yeah like his big thing is he wouldn't sit sit at home my last apprentice wouldn't sit at home and like practice putting gloves on mm-hmm. i'm like i can't have you do anything yeah Aaron, until you can come into the studio i did, did, have, you met, have you met evan my my mm, most recent apprentice no think so very like sweet natured yeah. soft-spoken guy ginger beard glasses you might, you might have yeah. but um uh you know he hasn't really like broken into like you know the the overall scene too much he's gone to conference yeah. before you know stuff like that but um i i put him not through the ringer in like a cruel way like mm-hmm. i wasn't making him like wash my car or anything like that <laughs> do your grocery shopping all that but a big thing for me is like muscle memory you mm-hmm. know because you can explain it you can show it in a video but then when it comes time to actually do something if you don't have the muscle memory you're gonna fumble mm-hmm. so i would set up like all these inanimate things and i'd be like okay i want you to like recreate this piercing 50 times over before mm-hmm. you're allowed to practice it on a friend or something uh-huh. like that yeah. you know you have to be able to like open and close a CBR with your, with your eyes shut, you know, and, and be able to pop in a bead uh, with, with, without tools. And you have, you know, you have to be able to do this and you have to be able to do that. And I want to, I want to see like the motion of like your wrist and your elbow for when you do a jewelry transfer. And I, I want to see all those things before yeah. you can actually start piercing on a client. And um, yeah, I mean, if somebody came to me and they were the smartest, most intelligent person, uh, you know, they wanted to put in all this time, but they're not willing to like put in the work to like mm-hmm. actually have the skills to be a good piercer. Mm-hmm. I w- yeah, I wouldn't be interested. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was that was a big part of my apprenticeship too. Brian would be like, "Hey, walk around the studio with you know this jewelry between your fingers and don't drop it. Right. Do all these other tasks. Right? Yeah. Yeah, because like you know, working in a studio where we don't have tools, we don't have mayo stands we work Mm -hmm. out of our hands it's like okay i had to learn how to do that yeah Mm -hmm. so that was just like that was one of those day one mm -hmm. like piercing like it wasn't day one when it was like once i was starting to do like jewelry changes and right right it was like okay well now that you know how to put gloves on show me you can do this Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like okay sit there like i said put a bead in the cap to bead ring yeah yeah (laughs) for like one of the one of the lessons i've learned through like apprenticing multiple Mm -hmm. people is um i don't I don't, I don't really expect people to be able to do it the way that I do it. So I try to show them like several ways. And especially I try to show them the progression of how I learned. Mm-hmm. So it was first, it was like, all right, look, you might see me doing these like tool free, just needle and jewelry, you know, mm-hmm. simple transfer back to front kind of whatever freehand things. But when I started, it was like clamps and rubber bands and receiving tubes and hemostats to hold jewelry and all these different things, you know? So I want you to at least understand what that is so that in the future, if you ever need to fall back on something, you know, comfort yeah. zone or something like, you know, let's see what's most comfortable for you kind of thing. Um, 
yeah, it's weird. I, I think a lot of people when they get into the the industry now, mm-hmm. they just assume that they'll be able to do it in that like ninja kind of way. But like, I feel like even me, someone who's pretty experienced, mm-hmm. if I went to your studio and I tried to copy the way that you pierce, I might like drop something or like yeah. blow a transfer or something. No, that was definitely something that Ryan emphasized too. Where it's like, okay, well, you have these options for safe ways mm-hmm. to do it, but don't do it this way because you're right. going to stick yourself. Or, right, right, right. Yeah. But it was good that mm-hmm. like you understood that and you mm-hmm. were instructed in a way where you understood that. Yeah, or if I did, or if he was watching me do something, he'd be like, why did you do that that way? And I'd have to be able to explain mm-hmm. like why that worked better for me. Right, And right. we definitely pierce differently. I mean, people yeah. that have watched both of us are like, oh, Brian does this way. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I've seen him do it that way. That never worked for me. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's good that you like understand that and, mm-hmm. and like admit to that right. and that you're not just trying to like copy and and Mm -hmm. not getting a good result because of it yeah so now like uh you know lou's working at your studio while you're here i'd imagine Mm -hmm. um (laughs) does he pronounce his kino or quino or how does he pronounce Kino. he's from argentina kino okay so my my apprentice evan he's he's (laughs) basically same spelling but it's he pronounces his quino okay yeah uh so how how are you feeling like having like another like regular piercer in your studio i love not being a, I love having another piercer I can depend on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah, and yeah, Lou does some things differently than me too. Yeah, yeah. but, um, but yeah, knowing that, and there's definitely clients that prefer me or him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, being that was a big step was being able to have another piercer so I didn't have to be at the studio all the time. Right, right. Because unfortunately, taking over a business in 2008, um, with the economy and the toilet. Oh, yeah, that must have been tough. Oh, that was exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really, first of all, couldn't afford to have another piercer mm-hmm. for a while. And then trying to find someone that had the same kind of integrity. Right. Um, and training yeah. and, yeah, was willing to... No, like, fly-by-night kind of yeah. traveling, permanently traveling guest artists. I always mm-hmm. get this thing where it's like, well, so I, I get that there are some people who make a great career off of it and they're mm-hmm. awesome at what they do, but I always feel like, you know, there's there's something there. If, like, if you're only guesting... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like somebody should at least have a home at least some of the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. This, although apparently that is not something that's unique to our industry. Yeah. It's something that like is actually common in other more skilled professions. Like my younger sister is a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. And she about a year and a half ago switched to actually not working permanently in a clinic. She mm-hmm. covers... Yeah. Whoever, whoever I've got a nurse friend that does yeah. the same thing. Every mm-hmm. three months, she goes to a, a new place mm-hmm. and she she covers there for a little yeah. while. Yeah. So it's just being yeah. a more skilled, more specialty skilled. Yeah, I don't want to knock anybody for yeah. it because there are some piercers that are great, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've had guest piercers because like they fulfill like a, a, a really significant role in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. So how many like when when it was just you piercing like mm-hmm. how many hours a week do you think you were putting in? Uh, I was I did make the decision we we had been open seven days a week when it was both Brian and me Ugh. in the shop <laughs> so when Brian left I went to being uh, open six days a week what was the day you dropped Monday Mondays yeah yeah I'm closed on Sundays mm. yeah well we we have a big brunch uh, restaurant across the street from yeah us, so. my, my city's like dead on Sundays yeah, like so, the, so it's Sundays like were actually pretty good money days for us most of the time yeah I mean now that I have like mm-hmm. more staff I've thought about opening up seven days but uh, I don't know I would really like Evan to be in his kids lives and, and, and all that stuff you know I don't want to you know, I didn't. I didn't have kids. I, I'm not married, anything like that. You know, so it's like, sure, I could. I could bend over backwards, and I could put in sixty plus hours in a week if I if I wanted to. But I don't want to make someone else do that. I want them to have their their quality time. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's. A, I think it's a hard balance for a lot of people in the industry. Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. because like we all we all like money. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well. So how many hours do you think you're, you're or like, is it hours or is it days for you? Uh, it's days. Yeah. Um, right now, Lou and I kind of split up the week and we're both there on Friday and Saturday. So mm-hmm. I work, I work Wednesday through Saturday. He works Friday through Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I do end up spending some, t- some hours outside the studio actually doing paperwork and working on our website and yeah. lovely things like that. But. So are you, are you appointment only? Uh, no, we encourage people to make appointments. Um, I would love for our clients to do that more because I think it gives us a, both both us and our clients a better experience. Yeah, have, being able a to, better piercing experience. Yes, a better piercing experience. <laughs> so I'm that, sure you get that later. Oh though. yes. Um, so that yeah, we know we have plenty of time to spend with each client. Yeah. And we're not. We don't feel pressured to hurry on to the next person that's waiting. Uh, you know, people don't get nervous waiting longer than they have to. Uh, but no, these days, like, uh, we do take walk-ins. Um, I only take appointments on Fridays and Saturdays these mm-hmm. days. I, I feel like mm-hmm. people are, are a little bit more forgiving now when they walk into, like, a premium mm-hmm. studio and they, they see that there's a long wait. and They're they're less likely to be like, oh, I can't get it done right now. Because I, I think now people are, not, not everybody, not some people everybody. are still furious, you know, mm-hmm. having to wait 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, but I, I think more people get it that it's like, okay, well, the reason it's really busy is because these people are worth it mm-hmm. and I'm going to wait or I'm going to make an appointment and come yeah. back or something like that. Yeah. I mean, because to me, like it's, you expect to make an appointment in most other service industries. Right. Yeah. Getting your hair done. It's like if you go into a restaurant yeah. and like there's a mm-hmm. huge line and there's like an hour wait and like you don't assume that like, well, these people are terrible. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, well, these, this is a great place and people are like waiting for it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think the other thing about encouraging people to make appointments is it it makes it easier for us to tell people how long our wait's going to be. Right, yeah. So we can look at the calendar and be like, oh, well, we've got appointments from now until 4 o'clock, mm-hmm. uh, so we can try to squeeze you in before then, or we can just put you on the calendar at 4. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure they appreciate something like that, because mm-hmm. it, at my studio I've had points where it's like, well, uh, it's I'm going to guess it's going to be a two to three hour wait mm-hmm. for you, you know, and... You can definitely hang out, and uh, you know I'm happy to answer mm-hmm. questions in between clients, but I can't give you a specific time, and I can't tell you like you know go get lunch or go shopping and come back at this exact time. Sorry, you know, yeah, I, I've gone back and forth with it, but I don't know. I still don't. I still haven't pulled the trigger on appointments yet. That's one of those business models that you know I think it depends on the what works for the studio. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll get there eventually. So going back to teaching, um, yes. if if you had like like a dream class to teach, like what do you think your dream subject would be? Um. Jewelry stuff. Jewelry, yeah, like like stuff. jewelry materials? Yeah, materials probably. <laughs> have you ever thought about like making a proposal or have you made proposals? I've put in multiple proposals over the years. Yeah? Any, any like more recently? Like in the last year? Uh, I think I put one in before con- this past conference when I put in a proposal for skin prep and draping. Yeah? Um, I think I might have. I think I might have put one in for this year too. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see you being. I could see you being good at that because, mm-hmm. you know, the the steel and titanium class. It's been a, a pretty similar class for yeah. several years. You know, and it's always good to maybe kind of like freshen it up and mm-hmm. try some different ideas. Uh, yeah. I, I would say that like you know I know enough that I know what to buy and what not to buy. Yeah. But I'm definitely not an expert. Like I I default to like people like you or people mm-hmm. like Brian where if I had a question on it I would be like hey can you maybe tell me a little bit about this new alloy or the mm-hmm. applications or what's this polishing thing or, or something yeah. you know? and I definitely don't expect most piercers to be experts on it but I really like my focus would be more on just educating people to know why the standards are important what to look for yeah so, like I said so that they don't get 
suckered in by not so um, reputable, not so reputable manufacturers. Yeah, especially with all this this stuff where these manufacturers that for years we've kind of been like, oh, that company just makes crap, mm-hmm. and now some of those mm, companies are claiming to make implant grade jewelry. Yeah. So how do you know you're actually getting implant grade jewelry? I, I yeah, you, I think yeah. a problem with mm-hmm. this, some of the companies who haven't been like super well regarded for their materials. Yeah. Now they're starting to make lines where. Uh, so like 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I could probably confidently say to people like, you know, uh, you know, make sure you get titanium jewelry. It's going to be a little bit safer for you. But now it's like, well, what kind of titanium are they using? Mm-hmm. And I, I can't just say titanium anymore. Yeah. Just like you can't just say gold anymore, mm-hmm. you know, because who knows if it's recycled gold or what's in the alloy or whatever, yeah. you know, so it's, it's really tough to have those like conversations with a client and you can see like their mind wandering when you're trying to explain like, well, you need this this actual thing, and like, don't buy something that's called stainless, or don't mm-hmm. buy something that's called surgical, and it, it's not actually good for you. And they just like, it's like that whole like Charlie Brown like wah 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 exactly. kind of thing, and they just don't, they just don't yeah, get it. Because it used to be like if you set, told people, oh, buy interlink threaded titanium, exactly, it was cool. That's all you had. To right, and about. now you have companies who are kind of, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it like preying on it, but sort of like they're using that oversimplification yeah, to their advantage. Definitely, yeah, and that, you know. And it shouldn't be like that, but yeah, you know, the people don't realize. I think bo- both piercers and the public don't realize that there is no like governing body like the FDA or right. something actually like right. looking at what's sold as body yeah. jewelry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it's like like when mm-hmm. when people say like you know oh well it's solid gold. It's like so what like solid what though like you know it if it's fourteen carat like what's the other like ten parts of the gold you know yeah, like who other. knows. The other forty-four uh, <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something I have to explain to clients all the time. Because mm-hmm. gold, especially, is something that is because it's a jewelry material, not a surgical implant mm-hmm. material. Manufacturers are actually allowed to consider their alloy a trade secret. Yeah, it's all proprietary. So mm-hmm. even like a really reputable company, like I, I've I've made the same request that I'm sure most most piercers mm-hmm. have, where it's like, oh, can you tell me exactly what's in the alloy? And even like top companies are like. I'm sorry, but no, I, I I can tell you what's specifically not in it, yeah. but I can't tell you specifically what the percentages are and all that. I can give you mm-hmm. some generalities, mm-hmm. but yeah, like I, I feel confident with the companies that I do buy gold from, but that's why I'm so apprehensive when like new gold vendors pop yeah. up. It's like, well, where's your source? Like, what are you getting, like, where are you getting your gold from? Yeah. What, what, yeah. what is, what's in here? You know, do you right. know, like, do you know you need to make sure your rose gold doesn't have cadmium? Right. Yeah. Well, that was a big <laughs> thing with the APP most recently. Yeah. Where I think even even people on the board were like, "What's cadmium?" You know, because like we, it's a term we hadn't heard before. You know, it's a toxic heavy metal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so like from from what I've learned, it's uh-huh. there's really not cadmium in rose gold. It's rose gold solder, yeah. basically for the melting point. But you also have yeah. companies that are making stuff out of solder. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or especially for like bead accents and things uh-huh. like that. It's just a glob of solder. solder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like that was tough. Like I actually had <laughs> I had like a like a fine jeweler a fine jeweler friend, and I was asking about cadmium and this mm-hmm. and that because you know i i do some jewelry stuff as just a hobby nothing professional mm-hmm. and um you know they would always be like oh you know flux is so dangerous and this is so dangerous yeah, and i'm like why? well i was like but, but what about cadmium aren't you aren't you exposed to cadmium with the solders and they were like what's cadmium and i was like oh i get to tell you something now yeah <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Or, or like all this plated stuff is on the market now right don't realize like i got duped i got yeah. duped one year at conference i saw some really nice stuff and I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll, I'll try out. I, I'll try out two singular pieces, and I'll try them out in healed piercings, and I'll, I'll see what happens. And uh, I had this one client who had a healed piercing, and I was like, oh, 
you like this jewelry? I'll give it to you at, at a discount and let, let's see how it goes. And like not even two weeks later, she came in and all the plating had peeled off, exposed the base metals and like her piercing was all angry and irritated. And I was like, yep, nope. I didn't even bother trying to contact the company for a refund. I just threw the jewelry away and I was like, never again. I will never, I will never be fooled again. Yeah. Yeah. Just because it looks nice on that side. Well, and people also don't realize like the process of plating often involves toxic chemicals like cyanide right. or nickel right. or yeah. Things like that, you know, yeah, that you wouldn't know unless you, unless you've done the stuff yourself. Well, somebody mm-hmm. was talking about it. I forget where, and if it was here, or if it was at the board meeting or something. Where it's kind of come back around again. Where like fifteen or twenty years ago, plated materials were like a big deal, and then when like there was this this first rush of like you know no 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 we need to squeeze out things like acrylic and plated and, mm-hmm. and all these different things, and it went away. And now when there's been this huge explosion of gold and like mm-hmm. artisanal jewelry, mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. plating is starting to make a comeback. And it's like yeah, but but why? Like you can make the exact same design out of solid gold. It's just going to cost a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like everybody always talks about like you don't want to fill the low end of the market but it's like why are why are we selling why are we right. selling something that's costume quality for hundreds of dollars kind of yeah, yeah. You know, like you know i don't i don't want to disparage anyone because like some of them are some well-regarded vendors but yeah. i would i would probably tell them like don't try to make that short-sighted easy money like put out put out the best quality product something that you can have a lifetime guarantee on yeah and then just leave it at that, you know, that, and your that, reputation will be mo- so much better for that, it. That's a big deal to me. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to deal with vendors that aren't willing to stand behind their product. Yeah. Because I got to stand behind their product if they Right. Don't. Yeah, because if it breaks and the mm-hmm. person brings it back, I'm going to look like a dope if I can't mm-hmm. say, like, oh, they'll replace it for free. No problem. And, or, or we can get it repaired for so much. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> something like that. But when I when I have to just basically be like... Sorry, you know, it's like, well, then that's my reputation. That's that's tarnished. Then it's like, well, tarnished. maybe I won't trust getting tar- tarnished. No pun intended. <laughs> uh, maybe it's like, maybe now I won't trust this other line or this other line or even titanium or soligo. Mm-hmm. Maybe I won't trust that. So I don't want to weaken my brand yeah. by, you know, having another vendor weakening their brand and selling it through my studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And people are like, oh, well, you know, we want to make sure everyone can have it. Like piercing was a status symbol. Right. Culturally. Right. It was only something people that had money and wealth and status in the community were allowed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you want to, if you want to make like affordable jewelry, make it out of a safer material. Mm-hmm. That's just naturally cheaper. Yeah. Like don't like, like titanium, don't yeah. dumb it down, you mm-hmm. know, basically. And I, you know, I get that some materials can't be casted very easily and all that stuff, but you know, whatever. But you, so you, you get a simpler design. Right. Yeah. 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 And then, mm-hmm. you know, then you sell them on the nice stuff later yeah. when they can afford it. Yeah, I just love to see better standards because yeah. it makes all of us look better if mm-hmm. we're all turning out a better product. Right. We don't have the scary, yeah, the scary stories hitting the news. Mm-hmm. We don't have to worry about people getting maimed for something that's just a piercing. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you can see, like, mm-hmm. you know, the piercing industry today versus even 10 years ago, mm-hmm. it's so much different because, you know, for, for years, there was this, this push and this explosion of, like, you know, everybody's got this access through social media and mm-hmm. clients and piercers can see all this amazing stuff that they might not have ever seen before. And I, I really don't want to see people kind of like squander that progress mm-hmm. by just being like, well, you know, we want to be, be able to do something for everybody. And it's like, I get that you don't want to have to like turn away part of your market, but like, do you know, do you really want to like keep yourself from being able to get the top end of the market because yeah. you can't let go of the bottom end of the market. Yeah. You know, and I don't, I don't want to see that short term thinking because we yeah. have had so much progress and you know, I mean, how much has, has APP membership increased in the last right. few years? It's, it's yeah. like exploded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes when I sit in like the, the board meetings where they're talking about growth and mm-hmm. even like the logistical growth that we have to do to be able to handle that exponential mm-hmm. growth, 
Um, it's crazy. Like there, there were years like you know talking to Paul King, mm. being like, well, there were years where like I wasn't, I wasn't sure if we'd have enough money to put on this this thing or or pay for this or whatever. And now it's just like, wow, like we let's can actually reach more people. More let's aim for the sky on like projects and like what we can do because now we have this flexibility because we have this influx of members supporting the organization mm-hmm. and it's it's huge. You know, yeah. piercers know what matters. The public knows. Yeah, yeah. Go to look at the website. Right. It's been a resource. Yeah. Right. It's great. Mm-hmm. Like, what kind of like what kind of changes have you seen on the people that are walking through your door like now versus well, you know, when you started? I mean, we're a very unique studio in that we were always known as very strict for our standards for jewelry, mm. very strict for our standards for asepsis. Right. Yeah, not using tools, being a fully disposable studio before that was even something people knew to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we we had clients that were definitely more well-versed in, in what the APP was, you know, having, having a, a college like Georgia Tech in Atlanta mm-hmm. that, you know, people would actually sit down and research. Yeah, we probably haven't had as much change as a lot of studios. Right. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, you started with that really solid yeah, foundation. We, we have the CDC in town. Yeah. yeah we we have. <laughs> right. Yeah. We have all these medical schools. We have Georgia Tech. We yeah. We have a little bit more educated base. Yeah. Than than a lot of cities. Do you feel like that's mm-hmm. maybe spiked a little bit in the yeah, last few years for social like media? Slowly grown. Yeah. Um, but people people still have this misconception you know at least the public saw this misconception that there's a lot more oversight in the piercing industry than there currently is yeah i think mm-hmm. people always assume that like you know oh you know how often do you get inspected or this mm-hmm. or that and it's like well i don't know what it's like in georgia but mm-hmm. in new hampshire it's like well never like <laughs> i i haven't had anyone from the health department in my current studio or my last studio so that's like over 10 years where i've had no like there's there's there are laws in the books but i've never really had direct oversight there isn't mm-hmm. even anybody to file a complaint with yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're one of the counties we were the first county in Georgia to have regulations. Mm. That started in two thousand six. Yeah. Um there are still counties in Georgia that have no oversight. Uh, you know, and I still run into both the public and piercers that assume that jewelry that's on the market someone's giving their stamp of approval or they couldn't sell it. Mm-hmm. Um so but yeah, like I said, I think we have less. We've had less of a change in our our clientele than yeah. than a lot of jobs. So would like the lesson you'd want to give to clients be like, you know, the person who is doing the oversight is the piercer or the studio yeah, owner. It's, it's not like a governing body. Yeah, it's it's very much a honor system mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, even in with very rare exception, the, the the regulations that are there are very minimal. It's um. It's still a buyer beware market. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it's there are there are definitely more options mm-hmm. than there used to be. Yeah, uh, I still I still kind of shudder sometimes when I think about how small of a percentage of the overall industry a studio like yours or mine mm-hmm. fulfills. You know, for every for every studio who's got a statum and internal jewelry and sterile gloves and and mm-hmm. this and that, you know, there's probably fifty other studios that it's like <laughs> maybe they'll change their gloves. Maybe they wash their hands. Maybe they wash their hands. Yeah. They might have a pressure cooker. That yeah. Goes yeah. In. And there's really no oversight. And yeah. like, uh, like uh, as far as the state goes, it's kind of the same thing between mm-hmm. that and, and your studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be frustrating. But I mean, you know, at least you're putting out that like reputable work like year after year yeah. after year. And like you're, you're making, you're making a significant impact on it. And every generation of client that, that 
comes out, especially the ones that have experienced your studio, whether it's as a client or somebody that just kind of walks in yeah. and walks I mean, out. We've got some families where we've got three or four generations of clients. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's been fun doing, you know, grandma, mother, daughter piercings. And yeah. <laughs> that must have been fun. Like that. Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah. And, and just like, I definitely like having helped with the social media committee and they've seeing the outreach that the APP has been able to do and yeah, right. that, yeah. so much more of the public Seeing the payoff makes it really worth yeah. it, like all the work mm-hmm. that, that you and everybody else put yeah. into it, yeah. So uh, so to wrap it up, like mm-hmm. again, where would people find your studio in the real world versus the internet? So in the real world, we're in Atlanta in Candler Park, uh, where we've been for 20 years in the same location. Uh, and uh, we're on the internet. Uh, it's piercingexp.com uh, and Tumblr... Uh, Facebook and Instagram is all piercing EXP. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for talking to me and giving me a good experience. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right. Thanks for talking to me, Christina. And now I'm going to answer a question from the internet. And it says, is a nipple piercing safe to do yourself at home? Uh, I, I get questions like this all the time, you know, and admittedly, I did a few of my piercings back when I was like 12 and 14 and, you know, sure, I would take a sewing needle and, and stick it through my ear. Uh, I, I wouldn't really say that that's body piercing, you know, you can take a sharp piece of metal and you can shove it through your body, but that doesn't mean it's going to heal. It, it doesn't mean it's going to look nice. It's not, it, it might not feel comfortable. So if you respect body piercing, you know, respect yourself enough to go to a professional piercing studio, you know, one that you know where they've they've done their training and and they take it seriously. Uh, With a nipple piercing especially, I feel like a lot of people get those because of intimate reasons, you know, they want to feel sexy or they want to feel confident, Uh, they want it to look nice, they want it to feel nice, but you know, if you're doing that at home, you're, you're taking a lot of the cards out of your deck. You know, obviously you're not going to have access to sterilization equipment and no matter what anybody tells you, you can't wipe something down with alcohol or boil it on your stovetop and sterilize something. That's not going to do anything for the, the serious bugs that you want to watch out for. Um, nipple piercings are very sensitive to tissue trauma when you're piercing them also. So, you know, if you bought like let's say a clamp and a needle off of some mystery website, um, you can really easily just crush that tissue uh, with, with the clamp. And if you crush the tissue, um, it's really not going to be able to heal, heal well. You know, you're going to end up getting scar tissue. Uh, if you end up piercing it too deep, you're going to get these basically lumps on the side of the piercing of scar tissue that, that needs to be there to, to brace the jewelry. Um, you have to pierce correctly to the anatomy. If you pierce too shallow, it's really common for a, a poorly done nipple piercing to reject, to, to grow out and leave a really nasty scar in its wake. So do you want to try to save yourself off the cost of a professional piercing service and with the the cost really being you're going to have scar tissue, you're going to have problems with that piercing, it's going to look bad, it's going to feel bad. If you get scar tissue in an area like that, it's going to feel kind of numbed. You know, if you you like having a sensitive nipple or if you want to have a sensitive nipple piercing, it needs to be done by a a skilled professional. So, um, you know, please take yourself seriously. Please take body piercing seriously. Sure, you can pierce yourself at home, but safe, uh, definitely no. I, I would not say it's in that category. So thanks for listening to the show, and I'll see you again next week. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. 
If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.